soul to catch back up with your body. My soul. International travel. You should also put this on the podcast. You should stop. My soul. And then, and then Jared can talk about Scott's soul on the podcast. Everyone will be entertained by that bit. No, I'm very clever and I've started it. We're podcasting. My soul has no not yet caught up to me. Uh, look at that. You know, there's a Santa tracker website we could probably use to figure out where exactly over the, you know, like, I don't know, Idaho, Scott's soul is right now. Scott's soul. I doubt the internet knows where my soul is. Okay. Welcome, uh, gentle, wonderful listeners, back to the Rucci and Jer Explain Weird SF Politics to Scott podcast. We are honored yet again to have uh, another awesome person to explain Weird SF Politics to Scott. John, welcome back, dude. Hello again. And uh, what are we doing? Are we just going to try to do the California props this time? Are we just going to like go for it? But I want to yes. talk about Prop 30. Let's go. We're going to prop, prop Prop 30. Richie, go. Okay, so here's here's the thing about Prop 30. So Prop 30 is essentially a tax on very, very rich people to um, support uh, electric vehicles, charging stations, and wildfire suppression and prevention. So, you know, me, I have to say, my my gut feel on taxes is always like, I've never met a tax that I haven't liked, right? Like, and why not raise taxes on the richest Californians, right? Um, but this is a very, very strange proposition. It is supported by Lyft and also a odd panoply of climate activists. And then it's opposed by a lot of rich people, which one would expect, like the CEO of Netflix, but is also opposed by um, the teachers union and by Gavin Newsom. Mm -hmm. So this proposition strikes me as really odd. Um, and frankly, I am I am still not sure how I'm voting. So, um, but I believe that John has written a whole blog post on it and is here to tell us what to do. <laughs> no pressure, John. Okay. <laughs> is, is that accurate? So. I have no yeah, idea. So, I'm like, a, yeah, okay, go, go, go. So, let's see. So I share your priors, Ruchi. I generally like propositions that raise taxes if it's not for, you know, um, if it's not for building coal pl plants or something. Um, the thing here, the, the context of this, uh, so people know, the reason Lyft is doing this at all is that recently the legislature passed a mandate, an unfunded mandate, importantly, that uh, Lyft and Uber had to go electric by, I don't know, in another 10, 10 or 15 years. Maybe just five. Fact-free zone, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Wait, who Man. did that? Yeah. Who? The legislature. California. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Lyft reasonably said to itself, as far as I can tell, if we spent it, we could spend, you know, tens or I don't know, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars complying with this mandate, or we could spend about at one million dollars, maybe a few. I don't know what it's got up to now, but a lot less, and get rich Californians to pay for it instead. Now, that's not to say that Lyft gets the benefit of all this, but they probably do get some benefit. At least their drivers, you know, get to trade in their cars for fancy new electric ones and get the subsidies. Although importantly, but, a lot of their drivers are not very wealthy, right? Like That's right. A lot of these would be, uh, a lot of these might be not the drivers, but, but that big range of companies that own cars and that aren't Lyft, but they own cars and they rent them out to Lyft. And Hertz, Hertz and Gold's, whatever those like companies at the, at the airport, which always never have rental a car, car that I want when I get there. I, I don't, I think, well, rental car companies, but there's some under the smaller under the radar ones, I think. Mm. Well, one other thing that I think that, so the drivers for Lyft are not, not wealthy, definitely not as wealthy as the people who are going to be taxed. Right. 
And one thing that I would say is that if there, well, there are many benefits to them driving electric cars, but also one of them is that it's, it, it also means more dollars in those Lyft drivers' pockets because the, you know, the, the cost of, say, fueling the car would be cheaper mm-hmm. with electric versus gas. Plus, the um, wear and tear on, the, on, a, on an electric car is likely less, right? So, Do we know there would be an advantage drivers yeah. as well, mm-hmm. right? There are fewer things Maybe. to go wrong in an electric car than a than a internal combustion engine, but it's a relatively new technology, so the, all the problems haven't really shucked themselves out yet, necessarily. But I mean, I'm well, not convinced that driving for TNCs is a net positive for people in general when you consider... Yes. Oh, <laughs> excellent. I see the jargon giraffe. Sorry. TNC is jargon for basically Uber and Lyft. Uh, mm-hmm. Transportation network companies? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Like, you get not a lot above minimum wage, and it doesn't really... I mean, when you take away paying for gas and stuff, and it doesn't really reimburse you for your car uh, going downhill a lot faster. So oh, that, the turno- exactly turnover is incredible. What? But that's exactly my point, is that you would pay less on gas, and the wear and tear on the car is potentially less. Mm. I mean, I'm not... Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm, just I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here in terms of mm-hmm. you know, taking money from wealthy Californians, and perhaps, mm. you know, that means that the middle-class Lyft and Uber drivers keep more money in their pockets. I mean, to be clear, it's it's a really big, it's a really a lot. It's a lot of subsidy money. It's a few billion dollars a year. So Lyft and Uber, Lyft and Uber drivers would uh, would probably be able to get a good chunk of it, but a lot of it would be just regular people. You would probably have bigger subsidies, and it wouldn't just be the on purchase. Some of it might be better financing, things like that. Um, so it would make question. it a lot easier for a while. To get an electric car, yes. Oh, my question is why we're doing this in the first place. If California's like current plan of record is that there will be no internal combustion cars for sale past twenty thirty five. Well, once again, that's an unfunded mandate. California hasn't figured out how to actually make that happen, and this could be a big part of it. And so i I think that I mean, yeah. It would make it happen just the same way it makes anything where they ban something happen. I mean, it's an unfunded mandate to some extent, but like they can just wave a wand and say summer blend gas only or but, uh, yeah, well, you, can't you know, If they don't really make the, so if they don't really make it hospitable to have electric vehicles, they're just going to push that ban on ice cars out. Ice meaning internal combustion engine. <laughs> For anyone, sure, and some of this Prop Thirty money would go towards building out a charging network. Exactly, it a would. publicly a lot, available a lot charging it, network, which is currently a big gap that there's not much funding for at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with uh, Rucci that if there's not a lot of investment in it, the current the current take up rate is such that, yeah, in 2035 or whatever, if we we would say. Well, clearly this isn't going to work. We better push it out another five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Chris came on. What was it? A, f- a couple podcasts ago, um, and he talked about all the other investments that we need to get to a low car future. And he said, uh, "You need to do a lot of other stuff besides convert to electric cars because we can't just wait." We can't just uh, move to everyone having electric cars. We need to also have everyone drive a lot less. We need better bike infrastructure. We need better public transit. We need um, housing built closer together, all that good stuff. And But, but the other way to put that is it's not, uh, it's not enough to do all this, but it is necessary to do the electric vehicle part. And... A lot of the Prop 30 money might not have to go to electric vehicles. The Lyft mandates a certain amount, a good chunk of it, you know, the way they wrote it, but they they mandate a whole lot of it go to electric vehicles, about a third of it, 
for the first five years. Mm-hmm. And then the state can change it. And then a lot more of it could go to like e-bike subsidies, which would be amazing. Or electric buses or even things like bike lanes. They even they literally list that in there in the other things you can do. Well, this and, and it runs sounding, for 20 years. Well, this isn't sounding so bad, honestly. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm a little, like, this sounds great. Everything that you're saying sounds amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure why the governor and the teachers union are, I mean, I actually, I get why the teachers union is opposed to it. I'm not sure why the governor. So tell us. Why? Why yeah. is the teachers union opposed to it? Because yeah. basically the teachers union is concerned because this money is basically its own special money pot that is not going into the general fund and therefore is not subject to the rules that say like a certain percent of taxes in the general fund go specifically to education. And go ahead, John. Uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's almost that. I think it's I, I, it, being exempted from education is pretty normal for these income tax increments. But the teachers unions have a long history of going to the voters to say, we need uh, to up education funding, therefore we need another tax increment. This is a whole 1.75%. So it really squeezes out their future potential to do this again, like they have a couple times, I think, in the past decade. So I, th- I think that's basically it. So the question is, what is more important, right? Educating our youth or climate mm. change? And this is, you know... This is zero science, guys. Yeah, right, right, right. Which is, of course, a joke for all of our listeners at home. Like, we should Mm. just make freaking people pay property taxes and fund our education system like the first class state that we are. Yeah. It is, I think, think one weakness is the fact that it is the upper level income taxes because when you target just the very high income, that is super volatile. So we're not going to have the same amount every year. We might might go down by 50% in bad years. Yeah, uh, I remember. Because a lot of it is taxing stock options and stuff. I feel like I remember a story from, from New Jersey where it was literally like one dude moved from New Jersey to Florida and completely screwed the entire state over after he left. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't. Yeah. Again, I'm not really, the details are a little hazy, but yeah, that is definitely a concern with something that is yeah. taxing the very well. But we don't have the guts yet to, if we, if we do, prop, if we reform property taxes, that would get better, but we aren't there yet. But anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is yeah. a tax. So, but, but, but you're right, Ruchi. Uh, I do support it. In the end, I had a hard time with it because I try to not support stuff that, corporations right that affects their own bottom line uh but i think this is decent enough and you know it's i try not to make the perfect the enemy of the good so i think this is good all right there you have it john has has spoken prop 30 we're we're yay on prop 30 yeah i don't know though because like jer's jer's cardinal rule of propositions is to vote no on anything that the legislature could do itself. So like, why are we? No, the legislature, well, they could do this with a two thirds vote. I can't imagine them politically doing this, getting together a two thirds vote to do this. this Sure. But does this require a two thirds vote for the amendment? uh, Sorry, for the proposition? Any income, any tax increase requires two thirds. That's under prop 13. So there you go. Uh, well, but instead you go to the voters and you need 50%. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I was under the impression yeah. that even a even a ballot proposition required a two-thirds to raise uh, revenue. That's only at the local level and even then not in all circumstances. Oh my god. We are yeah. so schizophrenic. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> yep. But yeah. Thank you, Ronald Reagan yeah. and Howard Jarvis and Mostly the taxpayer revolt yeah. of the 1970s. So. Yep. Boo. Boo those and people. Many, and it's many follow-ups over the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so, okay, so Prop 30, income tax increase on super rich people to basically fund uh, infrastructure for electronic vehicles. Complicated the themselves, yeah. Te- teachers have a hot take, but overall, it sounds like probably yes. 
Yes. I mean, building yeah. out a building out a infrastructure for charging cars rather than letting Elon Musk define where people can get their cars charged. I mean, infrastructure is probably the number one thing the government should be doing, right? And this is a pretty mm-hmm. big piece of infrastructure, public infrastructure yeah. at least. Also, uh, I will try to paste it in. Gavin Newsom has been appearing against it on TV and it has created, here we go. It has created some great gifts. Why Uh, is Newsom against it? Because I think, uh, Ruchi? No, I don't know. I don't know. I understood why the teachers were against it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the best, biggest Newsom fan in general. Mm. I, uh, so I, I would just say something mean. <laughs> well, I mean, anything that ties the hands of the legislature and the government when it comes to spending and, well, law passing, I'm sure neither one of those groups really appreciates having their power taken away. Yeah, they do. They, I think that's kind of standard when you're passing new taxes, uh, but, you know, it's it's a necessary evil when it's in exchange for getting that money at all. In fact, mm-hmm. um, uh, coincidentally, oh. the, prop, the proposition that uh, the proposition that started digging California out of its budget hole in the in the 2000s was itself was also called Prop 30. And I believe mm. it was in 2012. And that was an income tax and smaller sales tax increment for education. And that was, you know, tied to education. So, Well, the other thing is Newsom probably has designs on higher offices and it's easier to run for that higher office when you haven't just passed, say, for example, the largest tax increase in modern California history. Um, Laudable whether the results of that tax increase may be or not. So, yes, but he won't have passed it. Like it won't have his sure. name anywhere on it, especially if he if he runs against it. Yeah, and 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 he may have sunk it by campaigning against it because it was not it dropped in the polls once he started appearing on TV. I'm not so, a fan of that guy. <laughs> I, I am I am not a fan of of him either. I am very much an anti fan, although I voted for him feels like five bajillion times, but always reluctantly. <laughs> yeah. Do we beat the I, Prop I think 30 horse? Is, oh, go ahead. Yeah. The, the simplest ahead. explanation is that he wants to be in good with the unions that oppose it. And this is a good way to do them a bit, very big favor. But not all the unions oppose it, right? The teachers union opposes it, but I believe some of the, like, um, doesn't IBEW support it? Yeah, but like that, I think those are relatively small potatoes compared to the right, CTA, yeah. and I think the SEIU might have also come out in opposition. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm not supposed to look it up. Okay. Please <laughs> <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I don't know. Prop 30, that sounds like... I, I think I'm a yes in on Prop 30, I gotta tell you. Yeah, I think John convinced me. Yeah. It's... Nice. You know, if Lyft just kept their hands off of it, I'm can I still? Before, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Before Scott. we move on to the other to the other props, can I ask a sort of a higher level question here that maybe you guys will have insight on? The, the Lyft and Uber are like it, it, it. In my, it feels to me like they are like universally despised. Like anything Lyft and Uber does, everyone's just like boo hiss. That's awful. Terrible. And yet every single human being I know has both apps on their phone and uses it all the dang time. Like what is, okay, Jared doesn't, you take a, you take a bus to work, but like, (laughs) I don't know. I, I, am I, am I just, am I a liberal elite Ubering and lifting around? Am I just out of touch with the real people? Like it's weird to me that, that it's such a, I don't think it's that reviled, honestly, uh, as Scott. I think maybe it is. And yeah, I, I, I think actually a lot of people are just fine with Lyft and Uber. And frankly, I'm not sure why Lyft and Uber earn such ire 
you know, anyway, compared to say Amazon, which certainly seems to have in some ways yeah. labor practices, you know. Uber had a thing, uh, a really kind of terrible incident where they, memory serves at least, they, they, they had a whistleblower problem and uh, God, I really wish I could remember this more. The thing that just leaves the taste in the back of my mouth for Uber rather than Lyft is this thing where they, oh, they've just got some grossness. And I, I would love to look this up, but in it's their like past, the, the someone CEO who worked for them, had some really like, slimy Ugh. thing, right? Mm-hmm. There, there was like slimy misogyny afoot, but like, I don't know. Ah. I, I don't know. It didn't well, seem it, like. Remember Prop 22 in 2020? Mm-hmm. That, was pretty, that was pretty despicable in general. Uh, that was the that was the prop that they they right. they put on they they spent heavily for it undid some laws that made, made meant they should treat their drivers better and it uh, and it was a new high in how much it tied the hands of the legislature because it could only be amended with a seven eighths vote yeah and it passed yeah, and that's my yeah, point Scott I think that you maybe are in a very specific circle where people were anti that law, but it actually passed and it passed fine. I mean, it wasn't particularly close. So before that though, yeah, there was, there was someone who was harassed out of their job as a, uh, I want to say like a software engineer at the, the Uber company here in San Francisco. And that was the thing that, that started them like on the negative um, press kind of path. And so even long before Prop 22, they had some grossness going on in their corporate culture. Lyft like was always the, um, I don't know, the Luke Skywalker to their Darth Vader, you know, (laughs) did the same thing only with like, you know, white clothes instead of black. They were the ones who, they encouraged you to get in the front seat of the car instead of the back. Does anyone remember that when Lyft was first a thing? They were like, oh, come sit in the front with us when we drive you for Lyft because we're friendly. We don't, we're not a cab company. We'll talk to you or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. I, I still, I, I am pretty anti both of them. I only have Lyft on my phone and try to use it as little as possible. Um, I think they have d- done some bad things, but I see why they are. I see why they, it made sense for them to come up because traditional cabs had a lot of problems too. So it's a much longer. One of my formative San Francisco experience was staying overnight someplace way out, uh, like past the panhandle and needing to get a cab in the morning down to Caltrain to get myself back to work and having to wait for like an hour and a half that stupid cabbie to show up in the first place Mm -hmm. to the point where I like finally gave up and like started walking instead. Anyway, it's just... That that actually sticks with me from Eddie Izzard's "Dress to Kill." Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. He's, Sam, he's, the fog in San Francisco really shifts it. Yeah. Like he it's says late for a meeting. Something or other about San Francisco, and incidentally mentions the taxis. And after the laugh, after the other <laughs> laugh, his he yeah. follows that up with, "Of which there are five. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No, I also, uh, San Franciscans keep a bag full of snakes whenever someone like mentions San Fran. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, okay, so I want to I want to get back to something that you know, John, you were talking about earlier, and it and it triggered it triggered some alarm bells for me. Um, you were talking about electric cars and how you know they're insufficient and how we need transit, and it reminded me of an article that maybe we have all read uh, that came out in the New York Times today about the shit show. Are we allowed, we're allowed to say shit show, right? Um, that this is, is a family-friendly show? Yes, yes. okay. The, the <laughs> show that is the High Speed Rail Project. And a yes. very key quote um, from that article was that they had the French company SNCF in to consult on this project. And apparently, according to the New York Times, quote, SNCF was very angry. They told the state they were leaving for North Africa, which was less politically dysfunctional. They went to Morocco and... 
Morocco's bullet train started service in 2018. So here's my question. What is wrong with us? Why can so, we not? Okay, so, so first of all, um, so yeah, there, there's been a lot of shit with the HSR. However, you should try to divest everything in that article from your brain because that article is not is uh, very bad. Um, it's by a guy <laughs> who's the LA Times for a long time, and he spent like 12 years writing hatchet pieces on high-speed rail. You take every, every possible opportunity. So now he plays something with the New York Times. So most of what he says in there is nonsense. Um, like he talks about, oh, they picked something that was the, the more expensive option. Like they never mapped out the cost of the other option because they picked this particular one early. Lot, he shades the truth in a lot of ways like that. Um, there I was mean, a- one of the big problems with American construction is the buy American clauses that mean we can't hire companies like SCNF to like for our train sets. Yeah, they have to be built yeah. in the United States. We are starting we out don't have- disadvantages. And and also in 2011. So that SNCF SCNF thing that was in 2011. And at that point, arguably, yeah, California was really messed up. We had just come out of Schwarzenegger. We kept never mm-hmm. passing a budget. But that was right about when we were starting to climb out of it and get a little more functional at the higher level. Um, but I think the big I think the big thing that that misses is think about the relationship between France and Morocco. France has a lot, a lot of influence in Morocco. If they want their national rail company to get Moroccan contracts, it's going to get Moroccan contracts. They have a leg up there. That's like, fair. A lot of countries. A lot of countries in Africa, they keep their national reserves in France's national bank. Okay, but it is it is a fact, right, that in Europe they're able to build rail um, per yes. mile at a much lower cost than we can in the U.S. It is a right. fact that we currently do not seem to have high-speed rail, and apparently maybe <laughs> we're all dead and buried, right? So, like, I mean, I think we have high-speed rail between, like, Fresno and Bakersfield now or something, right? That's what they're running test trains on that section of track. We're getting there, Rue. Yes. All right, uh, well, next yeah, time we, I need to go high speed from Fresno to Bakersfield, I'll know how to go. If you're leaving Bakersfield, you want to do it at high speed anyway. It's no matter, even if you're going to end just in Fresno. Yeah. Sorry, it's sorry like our San, listeners. It's like San Francisco. We've accumulated all this detritus around building rail, and it all comes together and it makes it cost you know, a billion dollars a mile or whatever. So the yes. one thing I did, the one thing I did here that, that has some explanatory power for me, at least, is that the high speed rail commission had to hire a lot of outside design firms. Yes. And um, those outside design firms are expensive and they had to hire those firms because the government itself kind of divested itself of the knowledge and experience you would need to build high speed rail. Yes. So basically blame so, Howard Jarvis again. I, I'm, you know, anytime I can blame something on Howard Jarvis, um, the milk expired in my fridge. Um, <laughs> definitely Howard Jarvis's fault. Yeah. But there's also the there's also Sequa. There's also mm-hmm. a ton, there's a ton of things. Um, Strong property rights, for example, like yeah. that yeah. might be something that is different in the United States as uh, than Morocco, for example. Yes. Yeah, you got to run rail through the neighborhoods of a lot of billionaires to go from yeah. services. One thing I remember reading, you know, what, you know, what, when, uh, when you start one of the, one of the parts of the U S that does it somewhat cheaper, if not, if not great is LA Metro. And part hmm. of that is because they've been bringing more stuff in house and they've just been building a lot more rail at, at a faster pace. You know, when you're actually doing it all the time, you get better at it. And one of the things they did that apparently to Americans was revolutionary is having someone go out and walk the area they were planning to build rail on to make sure that there weren't like rocks. <laughs> Amazing. Boots on the ground, so to speak. Yes. Truly, truly revolutionary. I, I mean, also, also mm-hmm. our engineers don't think they have anything, by and large, don't think they have anything to learn from other countries. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, okay. A lot of problems there. You know, I mean, but the, that last kind of one actually, you can 
find some optimism in um, that LA Metro is getting better at building rail by building rail. That like some of these problems might partially, at least, solve themselves through experience. Yeah, so all we got to do California, to get better. Yeah, go ahead. And the California high speed rail is bringing more expertise in house. There you go. Maybe not enough, but more. Seems hopeful. Do you think it's going to happen? You think are we going to get high speed rail ever, or? Is I think so. oh, we're definitely going to get high speed rail. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But course, when is the question? Of course, now when? the now the rail line from LA to San Diego is sinking into the sea. It seems bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. it'll be uh, aquatic. Isn't mostly <laughs> there's a lot of Los Angeles though that's sinking into the sea. This is just yes. yet another part of it. Okay. So high-speed rail, we like it, we want it soon, but it's not on the ballot. What else is coming up on this wacky ballot in November? Does Prop 30 mean that there's a 29 other propositions, or did they skip some numbers? They, they, they renumber every five to ten years. <sighs> Thank God. So we have, but, but, they, but the numbering was even weirder this time. There was a one and then a 26 through 31. Uh, uh, prop, okay. <laughs> prop one is abortion. Um, abortion is a constitutional mm. right. I'm in favor. Oh, abortion and contraception. Yes. All right. I'm a huge fan. I mean, there's a whole rabbit hole about like why we don't have that that uh, contrast that uh, long acting LARC, long acting reproductive control. There's that thing for men. There's this thing they do in India. Where you have anyway, that's a whole different conversation. It's silly that we don't have it. Well, I mean, if they just explained what it does more accurately to people, like, oh, this will keep you from, you know, getting your partner pregnant. They told you that when they inject it into your uh, vast deference, that it causes sperm to go through it to literally explode. It sounds so cool. It's so like so much cooler. Oh my god! Yeah. Anyway, okay. So one marketing problem. We're yes on one. And then the next one is twenty six. So we jump from one to twenty six. Correct. Makes sense. What is twenty six? So twenty six and twenty seven are both sports gambling. Oh right! How could I forget? YouTube reminds me eight times a day. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So twenty six is the one by the tribes, and that increases their. That lets them do sports gambling on their casinos and at racetracks like Golden Gate Fields. And it lets them do uh, dice and roulette games. And that's about it. Um, and 27 is by the big the big gambling companies. I forget what they're called. MCM, something like that. A lot of money. And they want to be able to let everyone do uh, sports gambling on their phone. Mm. That would be much a much bigger deal, you know. Sports gambling pretty much everywhere. I, if I'm just like generally anti-gambling because I'm a risk-averse person, can I just vote no on both of these? I, I am voting no on both of these too. I am. I am. I, I feel like it. Gambling. I'm not, I'm not very, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also a risk averse person like Scott. And yeah, but Ruchi, what's your over under on this passing? You're going to give me gonna, five to one odds? It's going to fail. <laughs> yeah. Do you? They, yeah. They were made, they were sort of, the 26 was sort of made to compete with 27. And so they've been putting all their money into no on 27 ads and not so much on yes on 26. So they're probably both going to fail. Um, right. Great. I mean, I don't think. I don't think it's so much about uh, it's not because I think gambling bad in general, because on its own, it could be, you know, a victimless vice, uh, you know, something that doesn't hurt, hurt others, just yourself. But, you know, it's it, ha- it, it has getting addicted to gambling has major consequences. And it seems like providing more opportunities for it does actually increase how much of it you get. So I think it's, you know, don't keep don't make it illegal. Just keep it bottled up in a few places. I think that's sort of the least worst way to do, handle it. Yeah, it would be a shame if people took the money that they should be investing in the stock market and 
companies like GameStop and instead bet them on some uh, a, a race they have no horse in, if you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I, I just don't know that much about gambling. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, how many gam like, I guess I just have this horrible stereotype of like a gambler who is spending money that they should be spending on like other more important things. I mean, I also and feel I- like Jir's general feeling about proposition <laughs> propositions comes into play here though, right? Like, why should, why should we vote yes on this? You know? It, nope. Nobles razor. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Actually, I do. I do have a thing at work called Noble's Lemma, but it 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 goes: if something weird is happening, it's probably Jer's fault. <laughs> anyway, I buy that. Uh, but yeah, Jer's Jer's uh, unifying theory of ballot propositions it says vote no on anything the legislature could do instead. And but I keep finding out there's more and more things the legislature necessarily came to do. That's true. Anyway, I'm I'm I'm. It's a good question, actually. I'm not sure if the legislature could have done this. I think that the gambling interests were negotiating with the legislature to say, if you don't pass something we like, we'll put this on the ballot. And I think it ended up like this, and it like a stalemate, and they put it on the ballot. But I'm not sure about that. Does anyone here have a compelling reason why we might want to consider voting yes on 26 or 27? Uh, the libertarian answer is that people should be allowed to do whatever Does they want to do. Does anyone here have a compelling reason why I should oh, vote oh, yes on 26 sorry. or 27? I misunderstood the question. <laughs> well, the uh, in, in fairness, I guess, uh, 27 raises more money and it and it's you know it taxes it obviously and it sends a good deal of the revenue to uh homelessness spending so that's why you see homelessness on all the billboards and they talk they mm-hmm. call permanent solutions to homelessness but isn't it whoa, like some whoa, whoa. small fraction of the revenue that's correct it's not it's not a game changer at all and what if i believe that the big problem with homelessness is not the funding but rather the you know actually building and, and allowing land to be used for making homes. Then it's, then it's even less of a solution. I would like to go back to appreciate John's game changer pun in relation to betting. Oh, that, was, that was actually <laughs> unintentional. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Uh, 28. Can we do 28 and 29? Are they related? No, 28 is Damn. not related. 28 is additional funding for arts and music education in public schools. And 29 is yet again a kidney dialysis proposition because we have to have a kidney dialysis proposition every, every election. single election. It's like Shen Yun. We know it's election season when there's like <laughs> dialysis ads. Yeah. So this is twenty-eight. We might actually disagree on. I'm, so I'm kind of interested. I, um, I, um, so I am a big proponent of arts education in schools. I uh, was a drama major. This is um, arts education is something really important to me. However, in general, I do not believe in restricting funds in that way. And so even though arts education is incredibly important to me, I will be voting no on this proposition. That is basically what I was going to say. Yeah. It says in in the summary, it says provides additional funding. That implies new funding. It is not new funding. It says you have to take out of the general fund this amount of funding every year for arts and music. Yeah. If if we're a tax, that would be different. If we're an increase in tax to fund arts and music, that might be good. But yeah, this is tying the hands of the legislature yet again. So it's a carve out, right? Yes. I mean, a lot like the current Prop 98, the current system where you have to dedicate a certain amount of general fund, but dedicating a little more to arts and music. Also, one of the one of the weird things I found buried in it, I don't know what to think about this. I didn't put it in my blog is some of how how you spend it is a lot of it is directly in control of principles, not districts. Do you know what the deal with that is? 
Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I am. Principals should suddenly be empowered to go to go over the heads of their districts, but who knows? Maybe they helped write it. In general, and I, you all can probably correct me on this, but like in general, I find that like education politics is just like it is the most like cutthroat and cloak and dagger type of stuff because it's like a bunch of people who are really, really passionate about what they're doing. And like, there are so many different factions and they all believe that they have the right solution. And to my mind, they're all just like squabbling over like a reducing, like, like a shrinking pie. Like they're, Mm -hmm. I feel like our educators are, are fighting over a shrinking pot of money to do an incredibly difficult job. And like somehow they're forced to like, it's like, it's like a knife fight in a phone booth, right? It's like what they say about San Francisco politics, but it just seems to me like really, and I don't know, I could be wrong, but it just seems really vicious. And it's like, I, it makes me mad. Like we should just fund this stupid stuff. Like the problem these people should have is that they have too much money to do too much cool stuff to educate the children in the awesomest state on the planet. But instead they don't do that. They have to squabble over like not enough funding. It makes me sad. Well, That's they, all. Did, they did grow the pie 10 years ago with the Prop 30 then that I was talking about. And I think they did another like four years later. Did they grow it enough? I feel like. Oh, no, like certainly not, not enough. enough. They started changing. They started improving. I, oh, I, here. I, I would prefer were, enough. They were, uh, they were a big part of the campaign for Prop 15 two years ago. Yeah, so of course. Which failed, but Which we you know. were part of, but if, yeah, failed just barely. Yeah, it was. I caught. mean, it failed with like sixty-four percent of the vote. No, when it no, needed no, it was percent, forty-seven. Okay, yeah, it wasn't a two-thirds one. Uh, yeah, there's almost nothing at the state level needs two-thirds, possibly nothing, because if it needed two-thirds, you could just amend the constitution to say that it doesn't need two-thirds. That's basically what they all are. but much like we're never going to get people to like legislature to agree to limit their own power we're never going to convince the voters of california that they shouldn't be doing ballot propositions quite so much i don't know it seems like you can convince these bozos to do some pretty wild stuff i gotta tell you i feel like i feel like we could pull that off it doesn't seem impossible you know i used to be really anti-ballot proposition we're kind of now getting meta, but I, I have become very pro ballot proposition recently because I actually mm. think so. For example, um, ballot propositions have been a way for in many states, in many red states, to pass Medicare expansion when the legislature wouldn't, even though it's it's clearly in the interest of the people, and when it's taken to people via ballot proposition, they overwhelmingly support it. Same with minimum wage increases. They've overwhelmingly passed by a ballot proposition where legislatures have been unresponsive to, you know, the desires of the people. So, I mean, I actually think that in a world of increased and totally messed up polarization that we currently live in, um, I actually think that maybe ballot propositions are unfortunately a necessary evil. I mean... I'm not going to say that there should never be a ballot proposition, but like California seems to be governed almost maybe not exclusively, but to more like a dramatic extent than any other state. Yeah. I where think the direct right. democracy of California eh, could be I, dialed back a few points. Cause I, th- I think that it's a lot easier to get something onto the ballot, especially if you have money in California than most states And I think that's why in these other states, there's a much higher threshold of attention and interest and some money to get on the ballot at all. So there it's like for something that the legislature has been evilly bottling up for years, then it's a good safety valve. But maybe we could adopt uh, their thresholds and then we would just have it as a safety valve. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, I would happily vote for a ballot proposition that would ban ballot propositions on kidney dialysis clinics. Segway. <laughs> I mean, I, okay. So the other side of that, Richie, and, I, and I'm not sure how strongly I hold this, but like, 
what was it? It was Oklahoma that passed a ballot measure to legalize abortions when the Republican legislature was was going right, against Kansas. that in not, not Kansas. Quite, not quite, but yeah, bait close. Yeah. Something like that, right? Basically to maintain the status quo. They affirmed that the Constitution uh, of Oklahoma essentially... Kansas. Or Kansas, yeah, um, you know, essentially maintained this right. Okay. Right. And, and like, I think Florida and like some other places you're talking about, like past minimum wage increases when like the Republican legislature wasn't going to do that. Right. And, and again, I'm not sure how strongly I hold this view, but like, I don't know how I feel about like passing democratic legislation through a, a, a popular, through, through a ballot proposition because it like, it, it leaves the Republicans in power to do all the other bad stuff that Republicans do. And they do a lot of bad stuff. And like, so you prefer these people to not have Medicaid expansion. I would would prefer those people to vote Democrats into office. I feel like the people that you elect to power should have power so that you can see what they're going to do with that power. Or conversely, elect the right people. Like the more complicated we make the system, the more difficult we make democracy. Also, conversely, like, sure, if you're in a Republican-led state, you're going to need a ballot proposition to do anything remotely progressive. But we're fucking California. Like, why do we still need ballot propositions to do progressive legislation? when Kidneys are going to dialysize themselves. (laughs) Listen, uh, it's a one wheel in every driveway and a kidney dialysis machine in every living room. That should be our platform. (laughs) I'm sorry, I totally... Derailed you there, dude. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's yeah, yeah. We're California. We're California. We should be able to do this stuff. Like there should be pressure on our legislature to pass the stuff that that liberal progressive people believe in. Um, right. Yeah, but that requires taxes, and you can't do anything in the legislature around taxes. Well, yeah, we uh, we increased the gas tax by the via the legislature a few years ago. That was a, that was a first. It's a good question about the gas tax. Like you know, <laughs> oh, given the prices that we see at the pumps these days, and also the like general trend towards electric cars, what's going to replace the gas tax for like paying for? Oh, there, there's road actually already a pilot exploring that. I think it might be a a fee per VMT. Uh, speaking of libertarians, that's gonna that's gonna perk up a lot of ears. Let's just like <laughs> install a, a GPS tracker in everyone's car to tell you how far you drive. Mark sure. they'll just stencil it your forehead. I'll metro mile that. It's as though Google okay. doesn't already know, but whatever. Um, okay, so twenty eight. Arts education. As a failed artist, I feel very comfortable uh, discouraging children from trying to pursue the arts. It's a terrible idea. Children should all just be learning to do uh, podcasting. Okay. I mean, it did, it did work out well for you. You're the host of a successful podcast now. That's me on so many levels. These are my friends. successful podcasts. Gentle listeners. These are, these are my – with friends like these. Okay. Well, okay, okay, that's twenty eight. It's twenty nine. Yeah, let's segue into kidney dialysis. Okay, kidney dialysis. I, I think kidney dialysis is like the poster child for Noble's razor. Like the fact, the fact that there is a medical industry that has figured out that it is so easy to get Californians to vote yes on on a on a ballot proposition. They don't know. I I, I don't believe that people in the kidney dialysis industry think they have a good shot at getting this passed. I think they believe that they just throw this crap on the ballot every two years and eventually it's going to come up heads. This is the dialysis industry that put it on the ballot. It's the unions that are trying to organize that industry. Sure. Whatever interest is like, we want to change the law on this thing so that we can, you know, like Californians were like, and I'm not, I'm not calling Californians dumb. Like there is no reason for me to understand the, like the, like arcane workings of dialysis business. I should not have to know that there is no functional society in which I should have to know how dialysis works. And yet every two years, I, I sense a lot of bile 
going on uh, over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, that was a galling joke. Mm-hmm. The rest, the rest of the pod, all, all of the pregnant pauses are going to be people trying to think of like anatomy jokes. I, I, I kid, I kid. Huh. Anyway, go on, go on. No, that's my. That's the, oh. I, I. I think always no on these. I think if it says kidney in the in the on the ballot thing, I'm a, I'm a super no. I'm a super no on it. Well, I was I I, I supported the one in 2018 because that was. Uh, reflecting that was a more ambitious one that would basically have set the prices for dialysis and made the companies more like regulated utilities because they are like, there's like three big companies that do it all. So might as well. Um, But in 2020, it was uh, there that failed. And then there was another in 2020 that was like, let's increase regulations in ways A, B and C. It's like, okay, yeah, the legislature could have done that, and that failed. And now this one is almost identical to the twenty twenty one. And what I realized is, the unions that have put it on the ballot are not like these are vital regulations that are going to save lives that the legislature won't pass because it's corrupt. Like that's what that's how they would justify it. If you said, "Why is this on the ballot?" But that, but their motivation is: let's make these dialysis companies spend another hundred fifty million dollars to keep this from passing. Mm-hmm. Every every two years they spend like a hundred million plus, and every two years this fails because they spend that much money on it. So it's it's just this big weird power play shadow games. I don't know. It's, so I'm totally wrong. It's, it's not it's, like some interest group trying to do something. It's just one interest group trying to bleed another. Yes. And if, and if the dialysis companies gave them some better terms to start organizing on, these, these measures would not be on the ballot to try to unionize, you know. Right, I should not have to understand. None of this is making me feel like I want to be a yes. I'm, I think I'm still a no. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, st- I'm a no as well. So I feel like they're jerking us around. Wow. Yeah. Good times. I don't know. I'm pro union. I like unions. Yeah, me too. We already talked about Prop 30, so I think we have one more left, which is Prop 31. Oh, and and just to be clear, for Prop 30, I think we've all, or at least John is a yes. I said I was a yes. I think uh, Jaron Scott, I'm not sure if you were a yes in Prop 30. Uh, I think I'm a yes. I, if it means that we will finally solve the problem of how like people without garages are supposed to charge electric cars, I might have to be a yes too. Okay. All right. But we'll be mad about it because the legislator could, legislature could do this. Uh, no, they couldn't raise revenues without a two thirds vote, which of course they're not going to get because of the, you know, Eastern part of California, but. All right. So shaking our fists at Howard Jarvis, we can vote yes on this one. Did I ever tell you that the Dungeons and Dragons game that I ran on, on the kiddos, the big bad <laughs> demon at the end was named Jarvis. Anyway, little, I thought there was a goblin named Peskin too. Yeah, there was a peskin. He was a, a lesser evil. Okay, and so what's the deal with uh, 31? Flavored tobacco. I got to tell you, I'm probably at... Okay, what is this? Well, a lot of, a lot of localities uh, were starting to ban flavored tobacco, including menthol, but also all the sweet flavors, whatever those are, fruity. And I think also vape. I think also flavored vapes. Um, because, you know, there's evidence that it makes it easier for kids to start uh, smoking early because it tastes better, you know. Um, and then, so that succeeded in many cities. And then it came to the state and the state agreed and the legislature passed a ban on flavored tobacco. And then the tobacco companies said, not so fast. We want the, we want the voters to decide. 
So they put up the money to get the signatures to make put this, which is a referendum of that legislature law. And if you vote yes, that means you're upholding the law. And so yes is we agree the legislature should have banned flavored tobacco. And no is no flavored tobacco should still be a thing. Flavored tobacco specifically. Yes. I mean, Scott, you were just saying how, you know, you want to discourage people from going into the arts. And I don't know, given uh, what I remember from high school, Cafe Matisse and Clove cigarettes, this might be the way to do it. I'm going to also like rise to rise to power on a platform of eliminating uh, orange syrup from uh, fancy coffee restaurants. So no more Cafe Borgias and uh, discussions of Sandman. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good, good comic. Okay. (laughs) So yes on 31 means flavored tobacco should remain illegal. Well, it isn't illegal yet because when you, when you make a referendum on, on something that got passed, then you put, you put its implementation on hold until the vote. Oh, so So you, you can still find flavored tobacco. So this is something that in my older age, I have become, I feel like a lot more um, in favor of, of, yeah, bans on, you know, different, different drugs than I think I was as, as more in my youth. And so I feel like I am in favor of this, but, you know, probably the more idealistic version of me in my 20s would have said, well, these kind of bands don't really do any good. And why are we doing this? Why are we making flavored tobacco illegal? You know, but I, I mean, I think at this point, maybe I'm an old curmudgeon and I'm like, yeah, we should do this stuff. Yeah. I will, the other side of that, Ruchi, in my old age, what I've learned is that making it illegal just makes it less available and the young dumb kids who want to do illegal stuff they're still going to do the illegal stuff i do stupid illegal stuff all the time it just makes it harder you know like the the law like you know i I guess that's a a, that's a privileged point of view for a white man but you know like i'm 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 bubblegum flavored tobacco uh vapes i have to like mix the tobacco juice myself rather than buy it at the 7-eleven Yes. Yeah, get like a buddy to grow it in his garage or something. There is no you know? bubblegum tobacco. You know, it's not like commercial mass produced. <laughs> yeah. Labor tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I Yeah, tobacco, uh, it seems bad. My yeah, thing I mean, with tobacco. When's the last oh. time you saw someone smoking a cigarette? I just got home from New York City, so like yesterday. Okay, sorry, in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People smoke a I mean, lot in Brooklyn. Like there's a lot of people. I was like bopping around Brooklyn and it's like 20 something year old smoking cigarettes. It's like, man, I thought, I don't know, maybe it's retro. I don't know. It's gross. Do people, so, I, I mean, I know the answer for cigarette smokers, but like people who vape, do they like take their carts and just like flick it into the street like uh, smokers do? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't think so. I think you find like discarded vape cartridges like at clubs and stuff because people are hammered and they drop their vapes. But I think for the most part, you, you just, it's a piece of metal. You like throw it away and you're done. Hmm. I don't know. So like I've, I've heard people cause I w- the city where I am just banned flavors, but not menthol. And they got around to menthol like six months ago. And, um, uh, some of the people were then saying, okay, next we ban we ban regular cigarettes. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's exactly how you get a black market going. But if you have red- readily available but expensive cigarettes, you know, have a good tax on it, but not, not $20 a pack, just a tax that makes it somewhat expensive. And it tastes like tobacco, not like bubble gum. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a harm reduction. Yeah, I mean, people are addicted to it. Like, if you tell them you can't get these anymore, they're going to figure something out. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, a lot, a lot of it is stopping people from starting, which, yeah. which the taxes have helped with. You know, a lot fewer people are starting now. I mean, the reason menthol was put in cigarettes in the first place is because it's an analgesic, and so it makes it easier to start without, you know, d- discovering how terrible it feels to have some burning gas in your lungs. Yep. Good times. Okay. Okay. And I think that's all the California ballot props, yeah? Oh, is that all? Yeah. My goodness. And did Only you notice we didn't have seven. any at all this past June? It was great. Uh, I didn't notice. It was great. Well, you might have had ones over in San Francisco. I don't know. Uh, we never don't have ones in San Francisco. So, But uh, yeah, so it sounds like we've got yes on one, 30, 31, and no on everything else. Yeah. Which is great. a pretty good ratio for as far as Jer's razor goes. So. Three out of seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Anything else going on or anything else anybody wants to vent about or, you know, uh, did we make a decision puns? on the trash cans yet? Uh, I did. I, 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 listen, I finally saw a slim silhouette in person and it, it actually looks pretty nice. I have to, not going to lie. What is this? It's well, San Francisco, if we, in a previous podcast, we covered the, 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 um, process we're using to choose new trash cans across oh, all of San Francisco. Yes. And um, I have seen now the the uh, soft square, the slim silhouette, and the bear saver in person. And the bear saver was definitely the most disgusting of all of them. So The bear saver is the one that apparently has the most votes, though. I, I This is the problem with allowing um, the just general public to vote on which ones they like the best, not with like any kind of rigor about which ones are going to actually perform best in in the real world? Trashy McTrash face. Mm, exactly. <laughs> We're blowing so much money on prototyping trash cans. I I I I do not believe that having like internet enabled trash cans is going to help keep San Francisco's streets clean. Like I think I think this is that bear saver that I found was so gross. So gross. And like ostensibly the reason you have internet enabled ones is they can empty it more frequently, but uh, not this one. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, when it, I don't know, like if we want the trash cans (laughs) emptied more, anyway, (laughs) I can't believe we just need (laughs) electrified, uh, electrified uh, gas or sorry, Garbage trucks to come through uh, so, on a regular basis, automated. I mean, self-driving, yeah, self-driving electric garbage truck collectors. If the internet tells you that your trash cans should be emptied, but you can't afford the labor to empty the trash cans because, and you can't afford the labor because your cost of housing is too high. So. <gasps> Ruchi just brought it back to housing. Exactly. I think everyone well, drink. And to to, to Wail on that a little more. There's a there's a San Francisco, I guess a foreshadow here. There's a San Francisco measure that is like so intensely complicated that is hearkening back to a previous San Francisco measure thing or whatever. But it's like creating a separate like committee for street cleanliness, and it's like it's like different trash cans committees for street cleanliness like it's not gonna it's not gonna change what's making san francisco's streets dirty you know when you have a massive population of people who don't have trash service because they're living on the sidewalks like you're gonna have a trash problem and it's like we're doing everything but solving the housing problem for these people that's what's frustrating to me about it right i mean you know we do the things that are easy to do and not the yeah. things that we need to do. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, the slim silhouette seems like a, seems like the clear, the clear choice. I'm just saying anyway, it's, it's also like one of the most expensive ones. So Can we plan <sighs> back before the election to talk about all the San Francisco propositions or, or do our listeners not care? Cause actually, most no, 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 no. This is, this is Rucci and Jer explain weird SF politics to Scott. We have to 
have to talk about San Francisco ballot propositions. Okay. We really should. All right. We should get like a Next thing week. or something. All right. Homework. Um, John, can you drop the link to your uh, blog on this so that we can put yeah. it in the show notes? I, also, I can also say it verbally. It is urbanfuturist.info. All right. And there Do we even have show notes? This is a question for Jer, since... Probably. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, everybody. I, anybody have anything else they want to they want to throw at our lovely, vast, and influential audience? I guess we're going to be back next week talking about San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Let's do it, John. I, thank you, brother, so much that. for joining. You're going to steer clear of that. You're a wise man. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 sometimes good not to live in San Francisco. Yeah, only sometimes. It's fair. Um, all right, everybody. I think that's what we got for this for this time through. Thank you as always for listening. Um, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for more weird SF politics next time on the pod. That's okay. Everybody, everybody, say goodbye. Bye. Good, night. Good job. <laughs>